Love Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. Hey y'all, welcome. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Saturday, October 11th, y'all, 2014. Welcome to the show. Uh, got a great, uh, great looking weekend out here uh, in the ATL, y'all. I don't know, it must be close to uh, 80 degrees out there. Wow. I like this weather here. Uh, it's all over the place, y'all. We don't know. Uh, we don't know uh, what's going on with it. We thankful <laughs> uh, for for this uh, day, weather and all, y'all. Absolutely. Hey, welcome to the National Black Forum, y'all. Where we, <clears throat> where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer, and out of necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder. Than anybody out here on blog talk, y'all. We don't uh, we don't like to get loud. We like to try to keep everything on the even keel out here. Uh, volume being dictated <laughs> by by uh, world events. <laughs> yeah, that's what dictate our volume out here, y'all. Is what's going on in the world. Where right now, all kinds of uh, crazy things are going on. Uh, I say crazy. I mean, obviously, there's a divine order to everything. So, uh, we just have to roll with the flow, y'all. It's about all we can do out here. We roll with the flow. Wow. We, uh, got a great show for you this evening, as always. I mean, we come to you from 7 to 9, by the way, on Blog Talk Radio every Saturday from 7 to 9. Go to our, we got a webpage, hushmoblack.com, H-U-S-H-M-O-B-L-A-C-K.com. Hushmoblack.com, we archive all our shows out there so uh if you miss one and want to go back and re uh listen to it you can go to Hushmo Black and we've got a blog talk radio button with all our sh- past shows archived there. Uh, the top one, the one that's loaded up is uh the one that's current. They kinda of scroll down and see how the thing uh you can figure out how to get to the one from last week and the week prior to that. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple, y'all. It's not rocket science. Um, Eric Duncan. 
the Ebola patient out in Dallas, y'all, that that uh, on Wednesday, the only Ebola patient in the United States so far to die, the Liberian news from Liberia, y'all. We don't know if that uh, had anything. We think uh, his uh, <clears throat> situation was mishandled out there at that hospital. I, I, I'm not. I'm not claiming that that was intentionally mishandled. I just uh, we just claim that it was mishandled. Uh, hopefully, some lessons uh, were learned, and it won't. Uh, it'll never happen again to another uh, another victim of this awful um, this awful disease here. This guy was sent home. He. He went to the uh, hospital out there in Dallas on a Friday with a temperature of some 103 degrees. I mean, it's hard. Ordinarily, if you or I, especially you or I with insurance, <laughs> go to any American hospital, y'all, with a temperature of 103 degrees, chances are they're going <laughs> to... Uh, well, I know I am here in uh, the ATL. If I go to my hospital with a, a temperature of 103 degrees, uh, they put me in that hospital. They ain't sending me out of there. <laughs> I can, I, I, I'm, I feel pretty confident about that. Why uh, they sent this uh, uh, Duncan home that first initial uh, visit? I don't know, uh, but I think it has to do a lot with our. Uh, healthcare system here and the importance of uh, uh, them not dealing with people without insurance unless you come in there in the emergency room and I am a last, they almost have to take you in, but he initially showed up there uh, on his own and uh, without insurance, uh, a foreigner from West Africa also up there to follow protocol and uh, they would isolate him that Friday and uh, which, in my mind, just looking at all the uh, <clears throat> all the information that <clears throat> that's out there, <clears throat> the better you, uh, the better his chances, the better your chances are if you get this disease for survival is to uh, get immediate uh, to isolate uh, to isolate you and start uh, providing uh, support. Uh, in, in the, the forms of uh, IVs and all that stuff, uh, and, and you uh, that did happen to him. He he left there, went home for three days, and throwing up, vomiting all over the apartment where he was staying at with his family. And uh, thank God, so far uh, there's been no sign that none of the family members up to this point have came down with this horrible uh, disease. Now they still are in isolation. I'm most, I'm most worried about his uh, fiance, who uh, he slept with in the same bed. I, I don't know if they had, I don't know what they did in that bed. Yeah. But, but you know that she, particular, in my mind, is in uh, a, per, a perilous uh, situation right now. She's in a real perilous situation right now. Uh, 
I'm keeping all of them in my prayers, especially that lady who uh, might be in harm's way, y'all. Uh, she might be in harm's way. Uh, hopefully, the CDC and the the health department out there in Texas is on top of uh, on top of her. Uh, case and uh, we'll uh, get her immediate help at the first sign of uh, this dreaded uh, disease. This thing is spread like wildfire uh, in West Africa, y'all. Sierra Leone, Liberia, and uh, Burkina Faso over there. Those three countries have been uh, devastated with this uh, outbreak, y'all. The uh, head of the CDC said he hadn't seen anything like this since uh, the spread of AIDS uh, some years back. We, some 4,000 did out of the 8,000 whose contracts to sign. So this thing is killing people uh, almost at a 50% rate. You know? It's almost a, ter- a, a coin toss. Uh, it's, it's almost a coin toss. We looked at the spread of this uh, spread and uh, killing people. And they still insist that the only way it's spread is through uh, bodily fluids. you got to ingest some kind of bodily fluid from uh, a person uh, who's sick with it. Now, I, you know, that... Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if that means if you uh, touch someone, kiss someone on the cheek or whatever, when they're sick, perspiring, you come in touch with their sweat or saliva or urine or semen or whatever it is, <coughs> uh, can you get it just by touching someone with your hands or they're sweating? Is it, will it penetrate through the pores of your hands? Uh, I don't know. They haven't made that obviously clear, but it, it uh, the more I look at it, the more uh, it seems that indeed you can. You can just by just by touching someone who's infected uh, uh, uh getting their uh, perspiration on your hands that you uh, uh, have a chance to uh, to uh, get the Ebola through your hands. Now, they've started they started screening everybody coming into the airports for at least five U.S. airports. They started at uh, JFK in New York today Take taking all travelers from West Africa. They, you know, when I say screening, they're taking the temperature and asking them questions and all this stuff. I mean, yeah, if the thing hasn't, it takes anywhere up to 21 days for a person who uh, who's affected to start showing signs. So the screening that they're doing now, taking temperatures uh, of everyone coming from those uh, countries, uh, while it might catch some or identify 
some people who uh, have traveled from uh, West Africa uh, with a temperature. I mean, they can have a temperature for a lot of different reasons, flu, for warmth, uh, and all other uh, minor uh, abnormalities that uh, can drive your temperature up. So this, they, 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 I'm thinking, is going to have quite a few false positives uh, in the screening process over, over time. But, I mean, it obviously, it's, it's better sorry than better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. So I'm all for uh, uh, the screening that they're doing. Uh, I don't know. They don't know exactly what else they can do. They don't know exactly what else they can do to uh, to intercept uh, this thing. First of all, we the president has authorized up to 4,000 uh, U.S. military personnel order them to, uh, to West Africa to start setting up hospitals and uh, providing uh, infrastructure for their health uh, system over there to uh, try to contain this thing right there and stop it right there at uh, at uh, this place of origin. And uh, from all the experts, they... Uh, Seem to think that's the best place to uh, keep this thing from spreading worldwide, y'all. This thing's already out the the genie is already out the ball, y'all. I mean, you got Ebola cases here in the United States. You got them in, uh, got a couple of cases in Spain. They just killed somebody's dog over there who they think might have it. Apparently, you can uh, animals, uh, dogs who carry this thing uh, doesn't appear to affect them. <laughs> Like it uh, do humans, but they can be a carrier. They can be a carrier without any uh, uh, effect, uh, as far as we know. We we no, we don't know. How, uh, we don't know how uh, in the long run it will affect them. I mean, but short term it doesn't, doesn't seem to affect the dogs as uh, like it do humans. But like I said, this is this is there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot that uh, that's not known about uh, the disease, and and uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of research still going on about it, trying to figure out exactly what's it all about. What's this uh, in terms of uh, how to cure for one. They're still working on experimental drugs. The Z-map that uh, the first two uh, American patients treated here in Atlanta, uh, they used that on them, and they seem to be, uh, they, they uh, seem to have been cured. They released them from the hospital. The Z-map was out for uh, Mr. Uh, Duncan out there in Dallas. They didn't have any more drugs. They did have some for the nurse in Spain over there. There's a nurse in Barcelona, Spain, who's uh, who's fallen uh, uh, ill with uh, the Ebola virus, and uh, she contacted them over there in Spain after treating, I believe, it was a uh, a missionary, a priest, a missionary, uh, a Spanish priest missionary that who had been in uh, one of the countries, Liberia or Sierra Leone or 
one of those West African countries, and he uh, contacted me, came back to Barcelona there for treatment. He died with a nurse that treated him. She came up with it, and she's uh, uh, fighting for her life right now. And I believe they got her some of the ZMAC. Uh, apparently, it take a long time to reproduce that experimental drug that somehow they have to shoot it up in the tobacco leaves and wait for that to cultivate uh, some kind of... That's a long process, and, you know, this has been a new drug. I, I'm sure if that drug proved to be uh, a viable uh, a solution or a viable treatment, at some point they'll figure out uh, how to uh, synthetically produce, reproduce that uh, uh, drug. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to take, but I'm sure they're working around a uh, clock on it, because remember, uh, there's money in this thing, yeah. There's money in the drugs to cure this. That's big money. So the, com- the pharmaceutical companies are working around the clock trying to come up with a drug that would uh, that will uh, help fight this thing off, yeah. So uh, I don't know. We, the world, uh, the United States is stepping up on this thing, but the rest of the world, they said they need to put 20 times more effort into this thing worldwide than what's being uh, uh, that's being uh, put out there right now. Uh, 20 times more effort, which means uh, the rest of the world, <laughs> uh, we put 4,000 uh, troops over there to uh, help combat this thing and set up hospitals and field facilities 20 times uh, 4,000 that you're talking about. <laughs> we need some 80,000 more uh, uh, troops over there, y'all, from the rest of the world to help combat this dreadful uh, uh, this dreadful uh, disease that may prove to be more deadlier than, uh, than AIDS, y'all. That may prove to be more deadly, more deadlier than uh, Asia. So the world has to step up. The world has got to step up and uh, uh, come together on this. Yeah. It's not just a West African problem. <laughs> this is a worldwide problem. Yeah. This world is in a connection. This is a world's problem, yeah. The world have to get uh, uh, stand up and fight it, y'all. Hey, what's something in the in the group book about it? Helping the least of us. Those folks over there uh, don't have a health infrastructure in those countries. Sierra Leone is one of the poorest countries in the world. So is Burkina Faso. So is Liberia. Among the more, among the poorest countries on this earth, we, as citizens of the world, owe it to them to uh, do everything in our power to uh, help them, to help them uh, combat this uh, disease. Because, like I said, it's, it's, you can't confine it to that area. By stopping traveling and all that stuff, people are going to get out of there one way or the other. But they have to walk. 
They can walk to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they cut into America. They can walk. They ain't gotta fly. They ain't gotta go by boat. They gotta do none of that. They can walk by land <laughs> into Europe. Uh, y'all don't know. Hey, uh. So yeah, we've got an obligation. The rest of the world do to chip in. From a moral standpoint, you know, from a moral standpoint, if you got any morals, I mean, people, people uh, claim to be holier than thou. If you're so holy, step up. Step up and uh, do the right thing here, yeah. Step up and do the right thing if you're so holy. Oh, no. Don't uh, tell me how holy and morally uh, just you are. Hey, cause I, you know, <laughs> you 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 gotta convince the other man upstairs. You can't convince me of nothing. I, you know, I can't read what's in your heart. <laughs> only only the man upstairs can read uh, what's in your heart. So this is just I'm. I'm Preaching to the rest of the world, hey, y'all, that uh, claim to be <laughs> so uh, morally uh, correct and uh, the moral majority <laughs> as uh, someone once referred to uh, a, a, a section of uh, those folks here in this country, the moral majority. If the mo- majority is so moral, they... Uh, they need to step it up. You can't you can't uh, pretend that you are this or that and uh, get it past the man upstairs. You can get it past me. I believe what you're saying. If you tell me you are uh, holier than thou, I'm going to take you at your word. Because I can't uh, I can't read what's in your heart. Only the man upstairs can. I, I can't I can't I can't make one strand of hair black or white. I can't little old me. <laughs> Y'all don't know. I, hey, it's about 20 minutes after 7, y'all, here in the ATL. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls here. Try to uh, pay some bills. We'll be right back on the other side of the break, y'all. You got me, Hushmo, grabbing this train this, this evening. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturday. <laughs> 7 p.m. to 2 p.m. Right here in cyberspace. Thank <laughs> you. 
Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to National Tech Forum. You got me, Hushmo, grabbing the train this evening. As always, we are out here uh, doing a job of four, four workers, you Oh, we, we uh, multitask us. Yeah, we we driving this train by ourselves uh, this evening. Take, uh, I don't know, I, I told you folks, Take uh, some poor, uh, some poor workers to uh, operate a train. You need a conductor, the engineers, the brakeman, and a flagman, and a flagman <laughs> to uh, before that train can uh, before that train can take off. Yeah, we the Hushma, we uh, do all those jobs ourselves. I think. Yeah, yeah, we can do it now. It's, I've got a call in, y'all. One eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. If y'all want to touch bases with the husband, we don't take many calls out here. We will. We will. <laughs> Mr. Pianki, Mr. Pianki, where are you? 
Haven't heard from a good friend, Mr. Pianchi, in I don't know how long. I hope he's all right. He, he normally provides some uh, some uh, good insight on what's going on in the world. I wish he'd call me and uh, talk to me about uh, what's going on around there in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. That's around where he stay at. Mr. Pianchi, check in with the Hushmo. Let me know what's going on out there in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. Hey, they riding again out there. Not riding. They peacefully protesting uh, again out there in uh, Ferguson, y'all. Somebody else got shot, killed, blacked in. They found a gun somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They found a gun. I don't know if that gun was planted or what, but the people are really upset again. Another black kid, did. Uh, another black uh, kid, did. Uh, killed by uh, a white policeman, killed by the state. I don't know. Obviously, the police got a, a job to do. So everything is not going to be uh, the police fault. We understand that. I've been around here. I'd be 70 years old on my birthday house. So I understand uh, everything is not, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, We've got a pattern here of uh, in a history of police violence in our community uh, that's been going on since uh, since we've been uh, since the country uh, formed uh, since the country formed and uh, so we have, we we uh, uh, are a little more uh, suspicious of uh, the police the state. Uh, when it comes to uh, uh, violence and uh, against our our, uh, our community, we, we are a little more suspicious of uh, the police because of uh, that history uh, we have. And I just hope that uh, people take a hard look uh, at uh, what's going on here in the country. Racism is alive and well. Huh? Racism is alive and well. I write about it in my book, my new book, Racism and Hate, an American Reality. I'll check that book out. I mean, it's an easy read, short, uh, not a uh, uh, not a uh, um, uh, uh, any kind of. Uh, uh, masterpiece in, uh, in terms of uh, a writing. I mean, but it uh, it, it prevents it's a collection of uh, documents, essays, history, and analysis of uh, racism that uh, we've uh, encountered here over the last 300 years in this country. We kind of outlined it through uh, the documents and essays uh, that we uh, examined uh, and uh, put it in this book. We make an argument for reparations, as we do in all my writings. I, I, I make an argument for reparations because uh, me, I was born in Georgia in 1945 uh, without 14th Amendment protection. When I started school in 1951 here in Georgia, uh, a segregated school that was woefully inferior to uh, 
the white schools that I passed by getting to uh, my school in 1951. That alone uh, injured me. And it's the mere fact that uh, I didn't associate uh, the Brown versus the Board of Education decision in 1954, which stated that uh, the separate equal laws that had injured so many of uh, Americans uh, leading up to that decision that the uh, separate equal laws was inherently unequal and in fact did injure millions uh, of Americans economically. Uh, yeah. And that, that has a lot to do with the economic inequality that exists in the country today. That has a lot to do with the economic inequality that exists today. The separate equal laws, the racist Jim Crow laws that was in play uh, here in the country up until 1954 and then after uh, that uh, the practices uh, were still in play. That's uh, what uh, brought about the civil rights marches and the affirmative action and uh, uh, the voting rights and all this craziness that went on in the 60s, 50s and 60s uh, was as a result of Brown of the Board of Education and the highest court in the land declaring that those separate equal laws that was codified uh, by uh, Plessy, uh, Plessy in 1896 were indeed uh, unjust and uh, caused injury. They caused a tremendous amount of economic damage to uh, Americans of Akron City. Starting with in the most dreadful of those uh, uh, actions was the repeal of the Southern Homestead Act. The repeal of the Southern Homestead Act may be one of the most racist acts ever perpetrated uh, on Americans of African descent. The repeal of that law. The repeal of the Southern Homestead Act. Now, a lot of my audience don't know anything about the Southern Homestead Act, but if you read my book, Racism and Hate, uh, an American reality, read that book, read my book, and I kind of introduce you to the Southern Homestead Act. The Southern Homestead Act set aside in 1866 46 million acres of property in five southern states. Uh, set aside some 46 million acres of federal property, not not the former slave owner's property that uh, uh, was given away, uh, well, uh, confiscated in Georgia and South Carolina or whatever, that uh, uh, after the war was over, after the Civil War was over, uh, in fact, most of the whites uh, who uh, were still around uh, came back and contested the uh, ownership of the land, got the land back. So we're not talking about that uh, uh, land. We're talking about 46 million acres of federal property in five southern states, including Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, uh, 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 and uh, 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 Arkansas. We... That that land was set aside. That land was set aside for um, the ex-slaves. That was the whole reason of that Southern Homestead Act. That land was uh, to 
give the five million or so ex-slaves access to real estate, which was, uh, and this wasn't no, uh, this just didn't pop up overnight. Uh, the Southern Homestead Act didn't just pop up overnight. Uh, this thing had been talked about and debated uh, in the Congress uh, between uh, Abraham Lincoln's Republican Party and the abolitionists and uh, other uh, anti-slavery uh, 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 proponents uh, uh, for years uh, throughout the Civil War, uh, trying to figure out what uh, would be needed after the Civil War uh, to help acclimate, uh, to help assimilate the ex-slaves into uh, this new free uh, white society? What would they need? What would it take to uh, ease their uh, pathway into uh, uh, society? How could they best be assimilated into the society? They came up with uh, one of the things they came up with uh, uh, after meeting with the likes of uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, and other abolitionists was that the ex-slaves uh, would need three things. They need an education, first of all. You've got to educate them so they'll uh, understand uh, uh, what's going on and the laws of the land. Uh, secondly, they'll need uh, access to real estate. To live on, they need access to real estate uh, to live on and to uh, uh, make a living on. Third, they need access to a a certain amount of capital to uh, uh, acquire uh, the land and the uh, necessities to uh, uh, to, uh, start their new uh, freedom. I mean, they had a value. Oh, they had a heck of a value, yeah. The slave did. It was the most valuable piece of, uh, of property, as they were uh, so uh, designated, property uh, in the South. <laughs> it was the most valuable piece of property uh, in the South, more valuable than the land itself. More valuable than the land itself were uh, the slaves. Yeah. In 1860, the state of Georgia collected over $300 million worth of taxes uh, uh, for the slaves uh, here in Georgia. Real estate uh, taxes, something like that, less than half of that. So, so the slaves were the most valuable piece of property by a long shot. They were used for everything from labor to collateral <laughs> to borrow money on. So that the planners could uh, uh, finance their uh, their uh, business, they use the slaves as collateral to borrow money, take take the uh, deeds to the bank, uh, just like you would uh, any other piece of property. After the Civil War was over, somehow those people wound up. Uh, with hardly any value at all. Mysteriously, uh, their value had disappeared. The 46 million acres that had been set aside in the Southern Homestead Act was had stayed on the books for 10 years, y'all. But because of the 
oppressive uh, racist Jim Crow laws, very little of that property was ever uh, acquired by uh, the ex-slaves. A few, a few, a few acres was. But at the end, uh, but the uh, the people in the South revolted against that law. It was a they revolted, y'all, against that Southern Homestead law like nothing you have ever seen before or since. They revolted at every. They shut the government down because of that uh, Southern Homestead Act. They shut that government down over the next uh, 10 years, y'all, to 1974 when the government shut down altogether, pretty much like this junk that they did back here uh, last year, uh, arguing over uh, the Affordable Health Care Act. They shut that government down, brought on the largest uh, depression up to that time that the, the country had faced. The long depression is what they call it, lasted some 12 years, uh, starting in, uh, most of it had to do with uh, the South, white people, my white people, objecting to the Southern Homestead Act to keep the ex-slaves from acquiring property so that they would have a foundation uh, in which to uh, to uh, jumpstart their uh, new uh, found freedom here in this country. They rebelled against it. They rebelled and repealed that law in 1876 with 43 million acres being turned back, unclaimed, turned back to the federal government. It led, by the way, to uh, carpetbaggers coming in and buying up all the property. Black folks left out in the cold. Uh, that was the most devastating blow to uh, American Iraqis sent after the Civil War was over by far. The repeal of the Southern Homestead Act in eighteen seventy six, y'all. The repeal of the Southern Homestead Act. Y'all check that out now. The Southern Homestead Act. Don't take my word for it. Google the Southern Homestead Act. Michael L. Lanza uh, got a great, great. Uh, a take on it. Michael L. Lanza I got a great, great uh, piece on uh, a book out on uh, the Southern Homestead Act. Uh, you might want to check it out. Agrarianism and Reconstruction Politics. The Southern Homestead Act is the title of it. Go check that book out. It'll open your eyes. Uh, it will open your eyes and uh, I give you a uh, some insight to uh, our plight here in this country and where it is that the economic uh, divide is so great. Uh, that thing, that uh, 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 Southern Homestead Act, the repeal of that Southern Homestead Act with 43 million acres being returned to the federal government, that uh, is the single most devastating blow ever uh, perpetrated on American African descent here in this country, uh, the repeal of that Southern Homestead Act, the denial uh, of that property to uh, black people is the most devastating blow uh, that uh, American African descent has suffered here uh, since the, uh, at the end of the Civil War. The repeal of that, because without 
to 46 million acres without it was no different than the uh, homestead act of 1862 right away which gave away hundreds of millions of acres to uh settlers moving uh west oklahoma uh, all that property out that way uh was given to uh uh white settlers moving west that was the same type of uh, uh, homesteading act uh, that was put in place for the ex uh, uh, slaves that uh, people uh, railed against and repealed. They repealed it out of no other reason than uh, racism. Yeah, because I just got to call it like it is. Got to call it like it is because that's what it was about. Uh, whites in the South trying to keep uh, the ex slaves in their place, trying to keep uh, their labor costs uh, down to as close as possible to uh, slave labor. They succeeded. They succeeded in keeping black folks' wages down to next to nothing for the next hundred years after the Civil War. They succeeded. They succeeded in denying black people property uh, for the next hundred years. They succeeded in doing that. All because of uh, racism. When you, when you break this thing down, all because of racism. Yeah. The Southern Homestead Act, uh, the repeal of the Southern Homestead Act was the most devastating uh, single act that uh, in this uh, that brought us to where we are uh, uh, to where we are today. This economic inequality between uh, Americans of African descent and the general population that had everything in the world. Y'all want to know why the divide is where it is today? Start looking at uh, what happened with that Southern Homestead Act. Then you'll get a, a pretty good picture of of uh, why it is that. Uh, the divide is so large. The ex-slaves had all the skills in the world. My family, I faced my family's history here, y'all, uh, um, for some 250 years here in this country, here in the state of Georgia. They had all the skills to uh, take possession of that land and cultivate it and uh, make a living off of that land. Uh, had it not been for uh, the uh, Objections of uh, the races here in the country, here in the South, had it not been for the objections of uh, the races here in the country, including the states, the states' uh, government with their uh, separate equal laws, prevented a lot of, of my people from acquiring that land you know, and uh, gaining up toehold into uh, this new found freedom that they uh, uh, found themselves with. It prevented them from uh, fully taking advantage of uh, their new situation. Yeah, that's just a fact. That's just a fact, y'all. That's just a fact. Nothing else... uh, impeded our uh, advancement uh, in the society like the denial of uh, uh, those 46 million acres. 
we cut the 46 million acres, that would have solved a lot of problems for uh, everybody. That would have solved a lot of the social problems, the economic problems, and everything else. Uh, in hindsight, <laughs> that would have solved every uh, uh, a lot of the problems that uh, we see today. Uh, ISIS, ISIL, 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 still on the march, y'all, about to overrun the little uh, Syrian town of Kabani. They say they uh, just about that took 50% of that place, y'all. Serious battle going on there for that town, for control of that town. Turkey got hundreds of tanks right there on that border. Uh, <laughs> uh, watching this transpire, uh, y'all. Why they don't get involved? I don't know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different uh, speculation as to why they're not uh, getting involved at this time with the tanks and military powerful military. They got three or four hundred thousand people in the military. Turkey does a member of NATO. Yet. They want the United States to put troops in there to defend their border, to help defend their border, uh, to help put down ISIS uh, in Syria. They want the United States to put their troops on the ground. And uh, the president has vowed not to. I don't know, but can you make that vow president? Now, this is just a little uh, sad track. You, uh, as president, uh, it's hard to, uh, to uh, especially at war, you, you can't uh, take anything off the table when you're at war. That's just that's just my uh, I'm a Vietnam veteran, you know, disabled Vietnam veteran. Uh, I fought in Vietnam. Uh, stayed in the hospital almost a year as a result of uh, my uh, time in Vietnam. I shot some five times uh, uh, when I was wounded the same day that I stayed in Philadelphia Naval Hospital. Uh, almost a year, y'all. So I have a really good appreciation for war, uh, what it's about. I, I, I do know, I know this about uh, a war. If, uh, if you're fighting a war, you can't uh, you can't rule anything out. You can't rule anything out in a war, y'all. It's just the nature of a uh, uh, war. Wars have a have a way of taking on its own uh, its own life. War has a way of taking on its own uh, life and going where uh, no man has gone before, as they say. You don't know where a war might lead, so you can't really say definitively that I'm not going to do this or that. Because at the end of the day, uh, the war uh, takes on its own uh, course. And uh, you uh, are reacting to uh, 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 that course that it takes on. As a commander, you are reacting. Now, you can do some preventative things, but it's hard. You are reacting uh, to that uh, war. Uh, That's what you have to do. As commander-in-chief, uh, that's what you have to do. I understand the president. He don't want to get back into uh, another long, blown out uh, war in Iraq. We've been over there since uh, the. Uh, we've been over there messing around with Iraq really since 1991. 
at the first Gulf War uh, since 1991, yeah, when we went, ran them out of Kuwait. Uh, we've been messing around in Iraq and since then, but uh, particularly since uh, 2003 when George Bush and Dick Cheney decided to go into Iraq and depose uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, crush his uh, government. And it seems that that place has been more and more unstable ever since uh, that, uh, that, in my mind, ill-thought-out <laughs> Ill uh, action there on, uh, on the Bush administration to uh, go in there and tear up a rat. Colin Powell told him, <laughs> when we do that, if we do that, uh, if we break that thing, we're going to own it. And sure enough, we do own it. We own it right now. And we have no way to get around it. And, this, and the president is wrestling with that. It's just a humongous, uh, complicated uh, uh, a problem there, y'all. It's just a humongous, it's a crazy, crazy uh, a problem to deal with here. And now uh, we're uh, bombing in Syria, which multiplies the uh, com- uh, uh, the uh, Complication on this thing here by uh, uh, tenfold. Uh, once we start uh, bombing in Syria, that road to Damascus, y'all, is awfully, awfully, awfully tricky. That road to Damascus is tricky, y'all. And right now, the president's con- conflicted about uh, exactly how um, to carry this thing on, because remember, uh, like I said, this is a war. War takes uh, on its own life. <laughs> war takes on its own life, y'all. This you can't. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard to predict <clears throat> how, uh, well, uh, how this thing is going to proceed and where it's going to end. It's just a hard uh, thing to predict. It's just a hard thing to predict, y'all. All the bonds of the world ain't gonna. Uh, Necessarily uh, provide a uh, a uh, favorable outcome. All the bombs in the world, y'all. We 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 was in Vietnam for I don't know ten, twelve years, killing I don't know a quarter of a million people. Some fifty-eight thousand plus of our young men and women died. It still didn't solve the problem. That that thing in the end, like we want to see, we had a we got ran up out of there. Well, we came up out of there. We didn't fight that war uh, to uh, our fullest uh, capability, no doubt. But at the end of the day, North Vietnam ran over uh, the South Vietnamese who we were uh, allied with. They ran over that thing. <laughs> yeah. So all the bombs in the world sometimes don't uh, provide a uh, favorable uh, outcome. But the president keeps telling people, we bombing, but bombing alone is not going to solve the problem. There's a lot of uh, ideologies uh, uh, tied up in that thing. And it's hard to, uh, you can't just uh, bomb away, you can't just bomb away folks' uh, ideology. That, that takes a lot of work to uh, get rid of uh, some of the uh, uh, the uh, 
ideologies that's involved in this thing, y'all, that's been there, embedded there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, radical Islam, as some of us like to, not us, but some people like to refer to uh, uh, jihadists, radical Islam. And you can say the same thing about Christianity. There's some radical uh, 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 Christians out there, crusades come to mind. <laughs> that uh, people would look at and say, oh, yeah, those radical uh, ideologies that uh, infest the crusaders going from Europe all the way to the Holy Land they kill up and maim. So so on both sides, but today, uh, the radical Islam, what is that? I mean, they're uh, taking the Koran or their book uh, literally. If the Christians took uh, the Bible literally, imagine, imagine the violence that would... Uh, that would uh, still exist today uh, in the religion. Imagine the violence that uh, would uh, still exist today. Because if you read that Bible, you talk about some bloodshed and violence. Uh, it's all over there. But Christians, to a degree, have changed from taking uh, the Bible literally. Uh, and uh, they had chose to use most of the Bible as uh, allegories to uh, provide a uh, to provide us with uh, uh, some kind of moral compass on how to uh, carry out our lives without uh, all the violence and stuff that uh, that's wrote in there. Uh, uh, so we don't uh, uh, cut off our hands if we steal something or if we look on somebody unfavorably, we don't pluck out our eye and all that stuff. We don't do that. Christians don't do that. <laughs> uh-uh, that's all. That's just uh, 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 most of those uh, the violent uh, acts in the Bible uh, Christians use as uh, a metaphor to uh tell a story about uh, how we should do this uh, uh, peaceful, uh, uh, in a peaceful way. Well, Islam, a lot of the jihadists uh, take what's said in that Quran about killing people who don't want to convert or killing folks and martyring uh, yourself uh, uh, in order to get all these virgins up there somewhere. I don't take that stuff uh, literally. A lot of them take it literally. And that's to change that is going to require a lot of uh, a lot of uh, work. It's just going to require a lot of work. You know? Most people uh, hold uh, that belief uh, that uh, if they go out there and die and kill and in the name of Allah, whoever, <clears throat> that uh, they would be rewarded some kind of way in heaven. I don't buy that, y'all. I don't buy it. To me, God, pure and child of an almighty God, that's that's who I am. I don't buy that. I don't believe that uh, God Almighty, my God, would uh, look favorably on me were I to go out there and kill uh, two or three thousand uh, of men, women, and children uh, 
for no other reason than they won't succumb to my uh, religious belief. I don't believe I don't believe my God would reward uh, me with anything uh, if I did that. So that, I'm just worried about me. Now. I'm not talking about no Christian religion or this religion or that religion. Me personally, me, my thoughts between me and my God. I don't believe my God, the one that I worship and have a covenant with, would uh, look favorably on me were I to go out and uh, start killing people uh, for no reason other than the fact that they don't believe in uh, my uh, ideology. That's just me. Uh, so this thing is going to require uh, more than just bombs. It's going to require a dialogue about uh, religion, about God. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a prophet, a preacher, a teacher, and all that stuff. But I know that uh, this is going to require a serious discussion about uh, God Almighty. It's going to require a serious discussion about God Almighty, y'all, and what uh, exactly uh, his covenant, his statutes, what do those uh, statutes uh, entail? His law, what uh, uh, is that? Uh, there's only one God. I don't care where you uh, come from or what you believe in or this or that. There's only one God. So, so <laughs> the Islamics, the Christians, the Buddhists, the whoever, there's only one God. That's my thinking now. That's what I believe. Uh, so we uh, are going to have to uh, start with the Pope. The Pope, Pope Francis, he's, he's looking at this. Now, I do admire uh, this uh, new Pope, Pope Francis. He went to Jerusalem, talked to the Jews, uh, Mu uh, the Muslims, the uh, infidels. He talked to everybody. Right? He invited them to uh over there to the Vatican to sit down and try to have some kind of to initiate to initiate initiate some kind of dialogue between uh, the various uh, factions the different uh, religious factions but remember Islam, Christianity and all that stuff come out of uh, the same the same uh, place over there in that Middle East, all that stuff come out of the pretty much the same place, although I'm learning more and more about some of the uh, religions over there as this thing is unfolding today uh, in Iraq and Syria. I'm learning more and more about uh, the Bible, uh, first of all, the Bible and uh, what the fuss is all about over there. I'm learning every day, y'all, uh, about uh, uh, some of uh, the uh, underlying uh, kind of um, uh, emotions that's been in place for hundreds of years, uh, such as the Yazidis, y'all. The Yazidis never heard of those people really until uh, this latest conflict erupted. I didn't know anything about the Yazidis. Uh, 
uh, uh, that was pent up on that mountain, uh, Mount Sin, uh, Singar. I never heard of Mount Singar. Come to find out, the Yazidi people, this ancient religion, this ancient uh, uh, religious people, as the president referred to the Yazidi as, those people has a story to tell you, an important story to tell in this whole thing. They have a story to tell, an important story, because they contend that they predates Islam and Christianity. The Yazidis claim they predate their religion, predates Christianity and Islam. They say their religion do not directly flow from Abraham. Like Christianity and Islam do, they say there's the Yazidis uh, religion do not flow uh, from Abraham. That's heavy in itself. Mind boggling, y'all. When you look at it, and those people been there in the area, <clears throat> the area that uh, the Yazidis uh, people uh, live in and been living in for the last 2,000 years, y'all. Same place where they're in Iraq is the land of Nineveh, where the great city of Nineveh was at. They were right there in the same place, right today. Been there since the days of Jonah. Y'all know about Jonah, the prophet Jonah? The Eusebius has been right there in that spot since the days of Jonah, the prophet. You remember the story of Jonah. God sent Jonah came to Jonah, told him to go up to Nineveh, the great city of Nineveh, to warn the people that they had strayed away from his covenant, his statutes, and that if they didn't straighten out, they would be killed and wiped off the face of the earth, that great city of Nineveh. The Yazidis, those was the people, the very people that Jonah came to in that story in the Bible. Look up the book of Jonah, y'all, don't take my word for it. Like I said, I'm not a preacher, a prophet, a teacher, none of that stuff. I do read them. I have read the Bible. Now, you go, go look at the Old Testament. Look at the book of Jonah. You'll see where God came to Jonah the first time and told him to go to Nineveh. That's where the action is taking place right now before our very eyes today. That's where ISIL is at fighting, blowing up her stuff today. The city of Nineveh. Those folks, the Yazidis claim to uh, predate Christianity and Islam. They say that Jonah came to them. That Jonah is their uh, hero. They worship and celebrate Jonah. They fast some three days uh, a year, honoring the memory of the prophet Jonah. Who, if you remember Jonah, that getting back, God came to Jonah, told him to go to Nineveh to warn the people. Jonah at first ran away from the word of God. He didn't obey God. He went the opposite way, wound up on a ship trying to go uh, somewhere else. Uh, you know the story. 
they threw him off the ship into the a sea there, and a fish swallowed up Jonah. He stayed in the belly of a fish three days under the bottom of the uh, sea there. In the bottom of, uh, of the sea there, inside of a fish, was Jonah uh, because he had disobeyed uh, God's uh, direction. So he went back to God, called on him to help get me out of here. Help me, God. God, help me. Get me out of this fish's belly. I'm down here in a hell of a uh, um, position here. He didn't have nowhere else to go. He didn't have nowhere else to go at that point. He down under the sea in the belly of a, a, a fish. He didn't have nowhere else to turn to God Almighty. Anyway, God talked to the fish, got the fish to spit him back out on the land. Came to Jonah again, said, Jonah, now you 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 got to uh get up to the interview and tell those folks uh of that uh I said this is the Lord talking now, that not me that uh has warned them that God Almighty wants them to uh end their uh, evil ways there almost destroy that great city of Nineveh. Jonah did. Jonah went up there. The Yazidis, their ancestors was there on that, in that city. They obeyed Jonah, turned back to God Almighty. God Almighty spared them. And to this day, they uh, worship Jonah. Built a monument in uh, the tomb of Jonah. ISIS came through there and blew that thing up, y'all. About a month ago. Came through there and blew that tomb up. Tomb been there for hundreds of years, like, you know. Monument to the prophet Jonah because he brought the word of God to the, the people of uh, Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh obeyed uh, Jonah. And God spared uh, those people who obeyed uh, the word uh, of Jonah. And to this day, they uh, contend that uh, Jonah is their prophet. They uh, don't look for Muhammad or for uh, Jesus of Nazareth for uh, their uh, uh, access into uh, back to uh, God Almighty. They say they already got the hookup. They already got a hookup through uh, the prophet Jonah. He came bearing the word of God. Why wouldn't you? Uh, why wouldn't you uh, look for uh, Jonah as your path back to uh, uh, God if you were in their uh, shoes? I, I understand that, but I'm, I'm just learning that. You know, I'm just uh, checking out uh, the significance of those ancient. Uh, that ancient uh, people, the Yazidis, you know, check it out uh, for yourself. Don't, don't take my word for it because I'm just researching it myself. I'm just, uh, you know, coming to grips with it. But it's fascinating to look at the Bible and then uh, look at what's taking place over there today. Mind-boggling what's going on here, you know. Yes, mind-boggling what's going on here. 
I don't know where it's going to lead. Uh, anytime you get caught up on that road to Damascus, uh, there's no telling where it's going to lead. You know, Paul. Paul got caught up on that uh, road to Damascus, wound up blind. <laughs> hey, he wound up blind. He did get his sight back. <laughs> but uh, Paul was conflicted on that road to Damascus. Yeah. The president has uh, has found that this thing is uh, complicated. That road is complicated. I'm praying for the president that uh, uh, find uh, find the uh, answers that he's looking for uh, on that road. Uh, I know where he's got to go. <laughs> that I think he, he, I know where he's got to go uh, to find that answer. <laughs> uh, much like Jonah. Much like Jonah, uh, where he found himself in the belly of that fish. We all have to, uh, at some time or other, call on the man upstairs. I did. When I was caught up in that shadow of uh, the Valley of Death in Vietnam, when I was at a war, in a war, when I got wounded, the first words out of my mouth was, God help me. First words out of my mouth was, God help me. I tell a story in my book. Uh, he heard my cry, and in fact, he had sent me uh, in a higher place. He heard my cry and sent me in a higher place that day. I didn't have nowhere else to turn me up. The predicament that I found myself in, in that belly, I had nowhere else to turn. God Almighty, and I did. Much like Jonah, much like Saul, <laughs> Saul uh, uh, turned to uh, uh, the man upstairs once he was blinded. Changed his name to Paul. Y'all read that story too, that's heavy. But uh, yeah, the president right now, he uh he's conflicted, uh, and we all gotta pray for him, with him, to uh get this thing resolved here, yeah. This is not a tricky, this is a tricky, tricky situation. This is a trick. Hey, you know if it hasn't been solved for two thousand years, y'all, uh, it's not. It's a complicated issue here. Who's uh, uh, now? I do know this too. If man, if man don't get it uh, worked out between uh, themselves, if man, us humans here, don't get this thing solved. Uh, the man upstairs will. At some point, the man upstairs will uh, straighten all of uh, this mess out. I believe that. If we humans 
can't uh, straighten uh, the mess out, uh, God Almighty will. That's just a fact, y'all. Hey, y'all, we're going to take, we, we ain't preaching out here, y'all. We ain't no preacher, uh, a prophet, a teacher, none of that stuff. We just uh, calling it like we see it, y'all. We calling it like we see it. We're going to take a for the calls right now, though, y'all. It's about 20 minutes after 8. Uh, we got uh, to 9 to go, y'all. We'll be right back. Y'all hang in there. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Phone. Tell your friends about us. Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in Cyprus.
from actually earning a living. And ensuring that those communities actually survive, if they want to survive on subsistence. The South African government has launched some initiatives to help the communities, but the bay also has marine protection areas where fishing is banned. Environmentalists say that this is vital to keep stocks from collapsing. They say the access that Theo and his fellow fishermen want in South Africa Bay may actually make the problem worse. Access can mean two different things in South Africa. Access can mean you have a right to exploit the resource, but increasingly in recent years, the community has become more desperate. Access has been used to say access to stolen areas, for example, local marine protected areas. We have very few of them. It's a very concerning trend, and, and, and I think government has to be aware that, that of the implications of open or the question of open marine protected areas and, and, and what impact will actually be on long term sustainability. If we get no one any further than 30 it'll leave communities, fishing communities, worse off than they are. As his partner sets bait and line in the same way their families have done for generations, Theo tells me that within 10 to 15 years, he and his fellow fishermen will probably be given up. Well, uh, welcome back. We've gotten off on this. Uh, welcome back, Gil. Yeah. We've gotten off on uh, preaching here tonight, Gil. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not a, I told you we're not a preacher, prophet, or a teacher. We don't. We just tell it like what we see it from a from my own limited uh, perspective. But we're going to bring you, I'm going to bring you getting into that. So we have started out preaching to y'all, and I don't like to do that because I'm not a preacher. We're going to bring a preacher on and let you listen to a little of uh, the Reverend Freddie Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to let you listen to a, 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 a profound, uh, uh, a, a rather profound uh, a take uh, from a real preacher. We're going to let you listen to some of that for the rest of the show here tonight. Uh, uh, it's, it's just amazing how uh, uh, how uh, how real this thing is. Coming from uh, the Reverend Freddie Hayes, uh, that I, uh, this thing, uh, let's see, 2007, I guess, uh, when I first, uh, 2008, I guess it was, this is before the November election. That we were talking about, we uh, had an opportunity to sit in on uh, one of Al Sharpton's uh, National Action Network's uh, uh, meetings here in Atlanta, and Representative Hayes spoke on uh, 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 the the current events that was uh, taking place uh, at that time. Uh, the, uh, some boys have been prosecuted down in Louisiana for being a white boy and all this. But to check out the take on it, uh, y'all. Bear with me and listen to here. Uh, uh, y'all, we're going to play it all, y'all. We're going to play most of it for you. But I want you to uh, check this out and uh, see what you think of it. Hey, uh, y'all listen up to one Mr. Freddie Haynes, y'all, Reverend Freddie Haynes. We have to believe. We have Nigeria, we have Nigeria, we have Lombard, we have Sema. So the first thing is to increase the capacity of the, 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 the
only business is no case. You have to manage staff, suppliers, and the politics of the family. But Jackie and her daughter seem to have found a recipe that works. Welcome to the Marvel Club, T-shirt, the back by office. 
really good possible. But along comes a radically new way to buy a car called Trip Car. And now it is. Trip Car has pricing data on every make and model. So all you have to do is search for the car you want. There it is. Now you're an expert in less than a minute. This is how car buying was always meant to be. This is true. Thank you. 
appropriate if we hear some words from the one and only Judge Greg Mathis. Give us a
never should have gotten in in the first place. I declare it's a crazy war that has been mismanaged by a crazy president. This is a crazy world. If indeed the other planets are inhabited, I'm sure that this must be the insane asylum. There are crazy things that continue to go on, especially my brothers and sisters in our treatment. Watch this. Of injustice. I believe it was Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five who declared how 
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.